realize your guy's show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, December 5th. And I wanted to make a quick note here because, again, we've got the music playing, that fantastic music that we've been playing now for several years from Manelli Jamal. And I actually got an email from him last week. Little did I know, there is actually, much like there's an American Idol and all those, there is a guitar idol. <gasps> and oh. yes, now this guitar idol has been has had thousands of people going in on it. There are they are down to the last twelve right now, and guess who's in it? He is <gasps> actually gone awesome. to. Uh, England right now to compete in those finals, and he is one of two acoustic guitarists in those finals. Hot so damn. I wished him the best of luck. I'm going to be keeping up with that to see how he has placed. And God, I hope he does well. I've got nothing but respect for the man and obviously his talent. So in terms of gaming now, let's just get back to the real stuff. We um, <laughs> Actually, before we start in on any of that, did you guys see the? Uh, they finally announced the uh, book Kane for Diablo yes. 3? And mm-hmm. it is coming out December 13th. So I'm assuming you're both picking it up. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've been reading, thanks to Vince, yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for the <laughs> lack of sleep that I've been getting, because I've been sitting up till like one, if not later in the morning, reading this freaking Star Wars Revan novel, and once I'm done, well, either myself or you will do a feature on it. We have to, because this novel is insanely good. You need to, yeah. And it's it's the actually I've never read a Star Wars novel. I it, this is just fed. it's been a good twenty years yeah, since I read one. Yeah, it's great. And the last one I read was Shatterpoint. Having played through those beta weekends now, and obviously you, Vince, would be able to get a, even a lot more from the novel than I have. But even just my three weekend beta weekends, and I'm reading this novel, and dude, I am like sucked right in. I cannot wait to finish this novel, and it's making me want to play the game so hard. Yeah, the, the, the look they have at the Sith Empire and just all the machinations of the Sith Lords and the Emperor, freaking awesome. And then, you know, you get just enough of the Republic side of things. It, it definitely lays some interesting seeds for the future, especially now you have to read the that comic series, too, because it yeah. does all tie together. Yeah, I definitely do. I, I'll, I'll be doing that as soon as I'm done the novel. But again, the novel, if you folks haven't read it, is called Revan, and it's definitely worth it if you are interested in playing the Old Republic, because again, just from the little bit that I played the game those three weekends and having gotten through half of the novel now, it, I can 
I can already appreciate more of the game and all the little nuances throughout in the game that otherwise, you know, you just see as background noise. But now I'm like, holy crap. And I'm remembering things and it's just freaking awesome. Now, we're going to talk more about the Old Republic later on. Uh, before we get to that, though, a little bit of late-breaking news. There was a uh, an interview with uh, with someone working on Alan Wake 2, and that was with uh, Major Nelson. And they were talking about it and saying that it is actually not going to be a slouch. Uh, it, the, the way that it's looking, it's looking like an actual full-fledged sequel, even though it's going to be offered on XBLA. So that was damn good to hear. That was not only good news, but it also proves what we've been saying for a while now that digital like the digital release of games is getting to a point where we're getting we're going to start seeing full quality, like full complete games being released on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. And this is just another step in that direction. Yeah, I've, I'm pretty much fully digital download at this point with with comics and everything so this is a great step for for gaming because on pcs obviously digitals i I don't say it's close to the standard at this point but the 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 consoles and most importantly the console fans are lagging behind and everybody wants their shiny little disc well, the the thing is, is that when you're looking at a, like, a, a of course, for a, a PlayStation, a Blu-ray that's got tons sure. of stuff on it, I mean, yeah, your hard drives are going to fill up. And then if you want to uh, make room, then you're either putting it on an external drive or you're getting it off of the drive. And then if you ever want to play it again, you got to download the whole damn thing. So there is a, a reason for it. That being said, when you're looking at these XBLA titles that aren't as big, well, then, yeah, your 100 gig drive that you've got on your xbox can handle that no problem you can you can have quite a few games it's just a matter of making certain that the quality is there and the length as well so that you're getting what you pay for or vice versa it's not as long but you're not paying as much as you would for a full title i mean i've even downloaded a few full games through xbox that's how i got borderlands i got my xbox version of borderlands and all the expansions all digitally and it was great yeah, no doubt. Okay, let's talk about a couple of DLC that's going to be coming out. We'll start with Batman Arkham City. Joe, you found this. Yeah, they're, uh, the newest Arkham City challenge map is going to be the Bat Cave. <laughs> uh, the DLC pack is coming on December 20th, and it combines not only the newest challenge map, but it packages it with the Iceberg Lounge, uh, you know, the nice little penguins place, and the Joker's Carnival maps. Um, this was confirmed through the Arkham City News Twitter account, which is absolutely hysterical, and everybody should follow it if you have a Twitter account. It's literally Arkham City News, um, but not on the official site just yet. I have a feeling that we're going to probably get a, a glimpse of that in the next day or so, um, but I think that's kind of cool. Uh, the Joker's Carnival map was actually the one that was available for pre-order only, um, which we kind of knew that the challenge maps were going to be something that they were going to introduce into DLCs, so I'm not heartbroken about that so much uh but getting them all packaged together was going to be really really nice especially for those of us that may have missed out on the pre-order for the joker's carnival map which is phenomenal um so yeah if you have a couple extra bucks laying around it's probably gonna wind up being about uh somewhere between eight and ten dollars for all three challenge maps i think is something like that it's gonna be well worth the money i think i mean and come on it's a challenge map based in the bat cave how could you not want to play that I don't know, dude. The freaking Batcave instance in DC Universe Online was freaking hard as hell. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> I actually have a couple issues with this. First of all, 
a lot of people out there already own the Joker's Carnival or the Iceberg Lounge. So are they being expected to pay full price even though they already own no. part of the content? No. I mean, if, it, if it's as a pack, you can't download it a la carte, I'm assuming. There's going to be like I guess there's going to be like mix and max packs, and they they did mention something on the Twitter account about the possibility of sharing the code with somebody. So mm -hmm. if you get the pack, you can actually give somebody one of the maps. All right, and secondly, nobody's breaking into the fucking Batcave. <laughs> A Batman Dude. fight in the Batcave would be Batman standing there alone because nobody's getting in. <laughs> and yet DC Universe on DC Universe said otherwise. As Ike has broken in there. Come on. Hey, these knuckleheads couldn't break out of Arkham City, and you expect me to believe they can break into the Batcave? No. <laughs> it was a really big rock. What do you want? Okay. All right. Fine. Let's talk about DC Universe <laughs> Online because they're bringing out their second DLC now, When Lightning Strikes. There was a actually quite a long podcast that they did, 25 minutes long, and they talked about everything that they're putting into it. Now, this, of course, is a paid DLC unless you are a legendary member, in which case that means you're already paying the 15 bucks per month. But if uh, the other two... Um, options you actually have to pay the 10 bucks to to download it it is going to be available on the 6th tomorrow and so it it it's actually interesting because they're offering up a lot in this dlc and if you are someone who again got the game for free haven't really been paying much for it other than a few bucks here and there maybe for a few options then 10 bucks for something like this is a damn good deal. And this is what I was saying before too, like when when it was a paid thing, when we were paying every month, no, then it's 10 bucks is way too much for what you're getting. But if you got the game for free, and if you've been playing for free, then 10 bucks for all of this is actually a pretty damn good deal. And so what we're getting here is we're getting an entire, uh, a new zone, Central City, where there's going to be a lot of shared content that you can do with other people as well as solo content that you can do on your own. I'm very interested to see what Central City is going to look like in comparison to Gotham and Metropolis. Because mm -hmm. those places are massive. So I'm curious what the scope of Central City is going to be. I would assume something quite similar. And then it's also uh, introducing new uh, a new duo. And this is freaking awesome because the whole thing is around Flash. And yes. I love that, obviously. And so... The duo is to make certain that he actually gets hit by lightning. So you start off in the Flash Museum, and then you have to go into the Speed Force. How freaking cool is that? Onto the <laughs> cosmic treadmill and go back in time to make sure that he actually gets hit by lightning so that there is a Flash. That duo alone, I, I would... I'm, I'm, I'm debating whether I should definitely do this <laughs> because I want to do that duo so badly. It sounds like it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's pure Flash right there. I, I can't say much more. And then on top of that, they're putting more content that's going to be spa spawning randomly in different zones for bounties. You're going to get Teen Titans. You're going to get the, the rogues, including some new people as well. That's kind of, okay, I like that it's finally random instead of always in the same places because that gets a little old. And then the big thing, too, is they're introducing another power set, and it's going to be an yes. electricity power set. So now you're going to be able to have heals from that or DPS. Now, Joel, I'm assuming you watched this. The heal for this actually sound pretty damn interesting. 
This has got me installing the game actually over and <laughs> I will freely admit it right here, right now. You guys have heard me say I want more active healing. Active healing is what I want in games. I want to suffer for being the lazy healer. They have it. They're putting it in with the electricity powers. They said it's going to be much trickier to play, right? Yep. Um, it's going to be based around auras um, with closest with your closest range heals. Uh, you have to actually run up on somebody. Um, the whole thing is going to be more active. You're going to actually have to be aware of where everybody is. It's not just mindlessly clicking a unit frame and smashing a power button. No, you have to go and actually participate in combat. You have to go do something than sit and the bylines and that right there is awesome because a heroic killer to me is the guy who charges in chucks the grenade back at the enemy and then drags his friend back to safety and you know that's just kind of awesome it's just that sort of activity that i will have to participate in i will have to not be lazy that makes me really happy I, I like it, too, because it's not just the standard whack-a-mole kind of thing. You are at, a lot of what you're doing, by the sound of it, too, is you've got some heals that are you and the person's close, person closest to you. So instead of just, you know, watching somebody's bar and then sending them a heal kind of thing, you're running up to them. Oh, crap, that guy looks like he needs a heal. Woof there toss your heels everybody's happy or whoever's around you or in that aura is going to get certain buffs and things like that so that is that makes it a much much more dynamic experience for healing than again that whack-a-mole mentality that we've been seeing and it's funny because i was just writing about that today about healing and how disappointed i am in the old republic's healing and that there are so many other games that are coming out that are making changes to healing right now because they recognize that it has to be done i mean look at Terum. I can't wait to heal in terror. I am so bloody excited to heal in yes. terror. It's driving me ballistic. And then you've got Guild Wars 2 where they went the opposite route and just are making everybody responsible for their own heal. That in and of itself is a huge, huge change and is going to be a huge game changer as well in terms of how everybody's playing and choosing their classes. And then you look at the Old Republic and it's like, ah, you failed. And then you look at this and it's like, God damn, they got it. They figured it out. And I mean, you're seeing a little bit of the wow monk in here too mentality of go up close a few hits and things like that that are going to help with heals. And I do it. I love it. I, I mean, as interesting as the DPS tree on this looks, I won't even look at it because I'm planning on putting this back on my machine too. I was talking about my dot to my daughter about it saying, cause she's watching her, her money. And I was saying, D just install this. It's free and hell I'll play with you. Look at this. I, I can't wait to try this. So uh, moving on from there too, they're talking about, um, they will be putting new respect tokens into the game. I was disappointed. I mean, it's a good business move for them, but there's not going to be a respect token given to you if you get this DLC. They're encouraging people to start new characters. Of course they are, because you have a limited number of characters that you can have <laughs> unless you pay more money. That's that's bad. I don't like that. That's, that's, not, that's not cool, guys. Not at all, all right? Um, if you're going to make sweeping changes this big... It doesn't hurt you to toss in a respect token as well. I understand it's a business move, but don't start gouging your audience. You're doing well now. You got like freaking 100,000. How many was it that they said they jumped by? It was an insane amount. 
I can't remember. Anyways, I'll look it up. Um, but yeah, they, they're doing well, so I'm hoping they don't get greedy. Now, they will be selling, of course, on their market some respect tokens later. They're also going to be selling rename, character renames, which, depending on how much it is, I might actually consider <laughs> for one of mine. And because uh, I don't want to start from scratch again, I'd like to just kind of, you know, respect my character if I can. And keeper because i don't want to go through one to 30 all over again it's the same content i've already done uh what else we've got some nerfs of course coming in that they were talking about bows are getting nerfed because of their range which is too bad because of course a lot of people use them and that's what mine was and then the hardlight fan is getting nerfed as well due to some exploits and whatnot and then they started talking about new items that they're putting in and again they're this is a fairly big patch uh dlc i should say they're they're they've got new marks now so you're going to be looking at marks of momentum which are going to be allowing you to get various gear some of which being a black lightning and a zoom set which are going to be a tier 2.5 and then they're going to have neck and ring pieces for sale they're going to have some new weapon types this is cool they're sparks weapons and they're going to be able to be purchased with marks of momentum tokens and what's cool about this is that the, the amount of damage they do is going to be based not just on what you do, but then there's a trickle effect that affects other people in your party near you that also have Sparks weapon. So if enough people in your party have these Sparks weapon, you will be having a lot more damage applied to the mobs, which I thought was fairly freaking cool. But not as cool as a freaking flash ring trinket. <laughs> it's a trinket that is like the flash ring that has a compartment that opens up and a suit comes out that you put on that gives you a variety of boosts. They, 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 they weren't exactly clear, although they did mention a speed boost. That was freaking awesome. Where was all this content when I was still caring? <laughs> yeah, really. All in all, though, you got to admit, for 10 bucks, if you yeah. are not paying for the game at the moment... That's it's a worth it. hell it's worth it. of a lot of content because it's not even a month's worth of like, a, it's not even the 15 bucks that you would pay for the month anyway. And there's quite a bit of stuff there. So I'm, I'm strongly considering it. I mean, if I can, <laughs> I've still got a few weeks before Star Wars comes out. <laughs> so I got a little bit of free time. I'll go, of course, I got to get back to Skyrim. So let's talk now about some Star Wars The Old Republic because we actually got a lot of information recently in terms of, been well, a lot more information has been coming out because of the NDA lifted and so people are finally trickling some information out now. And we've been getting a lot more information about crafting in the game and that's something that a lot of people are very interested in. So we're actually going to sit down and take quite a bit of time here and talk about the crafting in the game. And of course, Vince, you've done the the most crafting, so I'm going to let you take over. Yeah, it was this actually required quite a bit of research because I actually haven't played that much the last couple beta builds just because yeah, I played a lot in the earlier builds. And, you know, once they wipe out your character, you start up a new one. Well, it got to the point where there wasn't much more I wanted to play except for the characters I wanted to play in live. So I didn't play too much the last couple builds. So they've done a lot of changes here. So I had to do quite a bit of research because they moved a lot of stuff around. Uh, but it actually makes more sense now. So that's a good thing. Uh, as I discussed a couple weeks ago during my big NDA wall of text, <laughs> um, you have you could choose a total of three crafting skills in the game. Well, not three crafting skills, three crew skills in the game, one of which can be a crafting skill. 
and the other two can be your gathering skills or your mission skills. Or you could choose a combination. You can choose two gathering skills and a mission skill if you want. The only limitation is that you can only have one actual crafting skill. And the most efficient way to go about it is, of course, to get one of each and you can be self-sufficient and all that good stuff. But there are people who just don't like crafting and want to make buttloads of money. That is an option as well. I like buttloads of money. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Uh, the training for most of the crafting is going to occur on the second planet that you reach, either Coruscant for the Republic or Dromenkas for the uh, Empire. And then in the big fleet, which becomes the central area of the game once you leave that planet. So you're going to have your, your central locations for your training. And it's okay. Like it, It's sort of like how it works in just about any other game. You're not going to find very many crafting trainers just randomly around. They do exist, but for the most part, you're sticking to those main areas. One very interesting thing that they uh, in implemented in a recent beta build is that the high-end recipes are actually going to be limited on a per-server basis. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't. Freaking I, nuts. I don't know if I like that at all. The way that I took it. Now I may have taken it the wrong way and not not understood it, but the the the, the impression that I got was that it's it's going to be random finding some of these as well. Because you're going to find them in various locations and whatnot. And then it's going to be one of those where there's going to be, I'm hoping, a lot of these random end game ones all over the place. But just just available to one or two people kind of thing or whatever. But hopefully not just, you know, just a few of those schematics or patterns or whatever kind of thing. There'll be a lot of them just just only one person can use each one kind of thing mm -hmm. that's I, I, actually not a bad thing and it, it offers then a lot of variety in in the game world i just hope it doesn't come down to like you know a couple guilds get together and put all their resources behind power leveling you know somebody's craft so that they essentially you know own all the best uh, schematics on the server so it, it it's something that you, i you i don't the know Star Wars galaxy effect sure let's go with that i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> All right. So as I said, there's three different types of skills, crafting, gathering and mission. Uh, which one do you guys want to go into first? Well, let's talk about the crafting one. All right. So crafting uh, is the stable of it. It's, you know, how you get all your cool gear. And it has a few interesting little bits to it, uh, first of which is the reverse engineering. Uh, what that is, is after you've crafted an item, let's say an ion blaster, you can then reverse engineer that item and get some of your materials back, kind of like disenchanting. Also, through your greater understanding of having to disassemble this weapon, you have a chance of learning an advanced version of it. Uh, and with random stats even, so I'm just picking random words here, you could get, let's say, a precise ion blaster that'll give you extra crit rating. Or, perhaps, or something like a technical ion blaster, which will give you extra uh, bonuses to your powers. So there's a lot of randomness, and it really encourages you to keep trying at stuff instead of just making the cheapest item that you can to power level. Maybe you want to make some of those more intricate items to kind of learn something new and get uh, something that's pretty cool because you can take what starts off as a green item, reverse engineer, learn some new schematics, get a blue item, and then reverse engineer that, and you've got a purple item. That's pretty powerful from the crafting system, even at early levels. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
uh, all of your crew skills, as I said before, are done by your crewmates. Uh, you can queue up to five of a single item all at once. So you can queue up to five at a time. You can't queue five separately, but five of a single. Or you could have five different crew members each working on one item. But you are limited to five total crafts going on at any one time. So you can't get your entire crew together and queue up 20 crafts that'll take, you know, days. No sweatshop ship for you. <laughs> so some of these crafts, I'm told, can take up to 24 hours for a single craft. So they're, they're making sure you don't go completely insane. Leave online? What? Okay, so now if you can put more than one on the can okay, sorry. When you were saying you can put five doing things, can you put five working on the same thing? You will get five separate items though. Oh, okay. So they can't all right. work together. Okay. Because it would make sense if you could put them all on the same one. That would and be then cool. Cut the time frame down. Yeah, that 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 might be something they want to look into, Bioware. Yeah. <laughs> All right, to break down the individual crafting uh, skills that you have, first of all, you have your arms tech, which is your ranged weapons and modifications. So your blasters, your sniper rifles, your, your photon cannons, all that cool stuff for your, for your non-force-using classes, basically. You have armor tech, which is your non-force armor, so your medium and heavy armor for uh, smugglers and troopers and you know, their equivalents. You have Artifice, which uh, is one of the ones I spent a lot of time with. That lets you craft lightsabers. Now, you can only craft the lightsaber parts through most of it, and then you have to put the parts together yourself to actually make your lightsaber until you get to the, the top tier, and then you can craft full-on lightsabers on your own. And you can also get some extra accessories for force-using classes, um, offhand items, fun stuff like that. You have your synth weaving, which is your armor for force-using classes. Pretty self-explanatory. And then you get into the interesting ones. Uh, first of all, you have your biochem, which is your stims, your med kits. You can actually make med units, which are like the potion injectors in WoW that can be used on other players, as well as implants. that uh, they're, they're an accessory item you can use for your character. And then cybertech is just the everything else category. You can make parts for your droids, uh, extra gear for them. You can make earpieces, again, accessory items. You can make all of your armor mods for all the classes. You can also make grenades, which function like the explosives in World of Warcraft. They're, they're reusable. You can make your speeders, your mounts in the game, as well as extra parts for your ship. So Cybertech has a huge array of things that it can make. That's, that's the one that's going to be fun, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like engineering done right. Yeah. Yeah, but basically that's it. And I, I, despite all the flaws with engineering, I still kind of like it. I, I wish it could be more, of course. But then I look at this and say, ha 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 ha. Okay, they got this right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, the ones I spent the most times with was uh, Artifice on my consular. Really cool, making all the crystals and stuff. I could change the color of my lightsabers. And again, everything is fully modifiable. Or it was in that build, uh, less so now. But swapping out the, the color crystals, uh, swapping out the hilts. You can even swap out the power crystal. So you can take your level 10 lightsaber and essentially make it a level 15 lightsaber just by swapping out the power crystal. Which, as we discussed, is a great way to keep the aesthetics of an item while still not falling behind in... Uh, statistically, uh, sort of their version of the transmogrification system. And let's face it, aesthetics matter. Yeah, you did them right. And then arms tech. Uh, arms tech was just fun, making guns. Who doesn't like that? So 
obviously you're going to need some materials for all this stuff. So that's where we get into the other ones. Uh, I guess we'll start with gathering. Uh, all gathering in the game can be done either by yourself or by your companion. There's uh, actually an interface option where you can set it to shift right click will send your companion or you can pick it to just automatically on a right click your companion will go after it. Uh, one thing I did notice is if your companion happens to be in the middle of something like let's say healing <laughs> and you tell them to go mine, it, they won't do it. You, you'll actually go do it, which there were a few times I sent my companion into hostile territory to go gather something <laughs> just because I didn't want to go over there. <laughs> so if you end up running off in that direction because they're busy healing, um, bad things can happen. So be aware of that. <laughs> uh, they also said some of the gathering professions can actually be used in the flashpoints for different bonuses. Uh, one of the cool ones I heard was uh, you can use slicing which is the, the hacking in the game, on an elevator. And it'll actually allow you to skip a couple groups of uh, enemies. Cool stuff in there. I would like it so that it's not just skipping content, but actually getting additional content for you and your party. That would I, be fun. I have heard that there are other uses for it. That was just the one specific uh, yeah. example that I was able to find. Because it would be a lot of fun, as long as it's not opening up pathways to you know somewhere where there's a boss where people will then you'll need someone who has that 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 uh that It'll profession a as that's a group exactly well, um then that's not was, cool what was the boss in warcraft that had to be fished up oh yeah lurker below yeah, yep. <laughs> so there's a precedent for that yeah all right so Screw there that are... noise. <laughs> come on you guys love fishing yeah 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 okay <laughs> there are four gathering uh, professions or skills in uh, the Old Republic. Fishing is not one of them, you'll be glad to know. Uh, there's archaeology, which involves uh, gathering crystals and artifacts and uh, just kind of rare, cool stuff that you can use for your artifice in your lightsabers. You can use it as your arms tech for your blasters, and you can also use it in synth weaving for some really advanced armors. Uh, it's pretty cool. There's also missions that go along with it. Uh, in gathering, you can either do the actual gathering or a lot of times you're going to have to send your companion off on a gathering mission to get some of the more rare materials. And sometimes, especially with archaeology, they can come back with little treasure chests and stuff too that have cash and uh, companion gifts. Actually, all of the gathering missions have, or have a chance of coming back with other cool stuff. Uh, bioanalysis is the next one. It's for dissecting uh, certain biological enemies or harvesting various plants in the game. And, of course, that goes perfectly with the biochem. You have your scavenging, which digging through junk piles. And you can also get parts off of some advanced droids. And that's going to be the main gathering skill for a lot of people because it supports arms tech, armor tech, and cyber tech. That's three very, very big skills based off of scavenging. And then, of course, you have slicing. Slicing is the cool one. It's your hacking. It lets you get into safes, lets you get into lockers, all kinds of crazy stuff. And the main reward from slicing is pure hard cash. <laughs> and you can also find, uh, yeah, some pure rare Roger parts giggling. and some special schematics that can only be found through slicing and can only be used with Cybertech, which, as we discussed before, is the crazy one that you can make all the cool stuff with. It's cool because it's it's very much uh, a, a, a profession system where you can see specific classes are going to, in, in an RP kind of way, really align themselves really well with this. I mean, really, an Imperial agent, if you're not taking slicing, there's something wrong with you. 
there's there's just you're not playing the game right <laughs> you know so there's a lot of that in this that you can really see how it points to okay like use this if you're this class and you're going to enjoy the game that much more mm-hmm. and then the final one is your missions uh these you don't gather anything these are purely based on sending your companion off to do something and it's one of those skills that you're not going to be able to level much early in the game simply because if you send your companion off for a half hour you're essentially only half a character in combat so later on as you gain more companions this is the one that's really going to start ramping up for a lot of really cool stuff uh starting with diplomacy yeah diplomacy is exactly what you'd think it is you send your companion off to go, you know, bro- broker deals and cool stuff. And these will actually reward your character with very minor light and dark side points. Yeah, that uh, is awesome. Anywhere from, I think they said, 5 to 15 per mission. So that's oh, cool. Wow. Especially if you're playing one of those gray sort of characters that don't have um, a lot of gear in the game for them yet. Uh, as we said, you get cool stuff for being light side, cool stuff for being dark side. While there are plans for the, the, the neutral ones, there's nothing in the game yet for them. So diplomacy is a cool way to get those points to get the gear, even if it doesn't necessarily fit your character. You can go both ways. Oh, God. Sorry, Tart. <laughs> and, and, and maintain your neutrality as a character while still being able to upgrade your actual gear. And then you can also get uh, special medical supplies from the missions. So really the only one that this is going to supply is the biochem, but the actual light and dark side stuff is going to be important for a lot of characters. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you are more RPing your character too, it's going to be something that is allowing you to to work towards, again, that light and dark. And I saw how hard that was because of my character that I was trying to to get so dark so fast. Mm -hmm. And and so, no, this is really going to be quite cool later on. And sticking with that RP thing, this is a perfect combination for not just the agent, but even the Inquisitor, the Consular, those more diplomatic uh, type stories. Yep, very much so. All right, then you've got Investigation. Uh, This can give you uh, prototype schematics, which are the epic quality, the purple schematics, and very rare armor mats. So this one's going to go well with uh, the two armor classes, uh, armor crafts, armor tech and synth weaving. And those epic schematics... uh, those aren't very easy to come by. So even through that reverse engineering, sometimes it takes an awful long time. So just being able to send your companion off and have them come back with one, that's very handy. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. And next we've got treasure hunting, uh, which brings in your crystals and stuff for, again, your artifice and whatnot, as well as uh, just pure cash in this one. So if you're looking just to make money, slicing and treasure hunting, are <laughs> that's your combination right there. And then finally, you have underworld trading. Listen up, all you smugglers. Uh, brings in rare metals and fabrics for the armor tech, the synth weaving, and the cyber tech. So the four mission ones, that was the most interesting part of this system for me. Uh, so many other games, we've seen a combination of crafting and gathering. And the Old Republic has that, but this added effect of the mission and being the primary way of how you get some of the more rare materials you need for crafting and having to balance out, you know, do I want to send my companions away at this point? And some of these missions take up a long time. Uh, I think at some point on my bounty hunter, I had some missions that were coming up on an hour each, and that was still relatively early on in the game. So this is a cool little wrinkle that they've added into the system, which really separates it from other games for me. Well, it's cool, too, because, again, you're using your companions for all of these. And what's cool is that your companions also have crew skill bonuses. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at who it is that you're going to have as your companion early on, especially in the game, then 
how that's going to affect those choices that you made in terms of what professions you want to take and and then who you're going to take on missions versus who you're going to send away because of their bonuses. So it's going to have a, a big enough impact on your gameplay if you are wanting to do it justice and do it the best that you can. And again, it's a, it's a whole new dynamic on questing that is just bloody freaking cool like i'm looking at the companions oh juice my, my son and i have been going ballistic looking at all the companions again and seeing which ones we're going to be getting because it's it's again the game is going to be so much fun when played with other people when you're planning characters together so we're already planning our first characters that we're we're going to play and so then we're looking at okay well who are the companions we're going to get and how is that going to affect our group makeup for heals and tanking and whatnot and then like how can we get who we want or do we have to get them in a specific order and things like that and then you're looking on top of that at these these crew skill bonus add the professions that we're going to take it's it's a bloody freaking brilliant profession system is what i'm thinking and then you look even on top of that keeping the companions in the picture keep in mind a lot of the gear you can make your companions can use exactly. so that's going to be an important factor in your decision too like okay if you're a trooper um but your companion is going to be a melee, maybe you don't want to take that arms tech. Maybe you prefer to go with armor tech so that you can make armor for both of you instead of guns for just one for you. So there's all that to consider too. Yeah, and especially if you are long-term planning your characters, wherein you're thinking about who you're going to spend the majority of your time with. Because, again, you already know who your character, your companions are going to be. You're, you should know what skill tree you're going to go with so then you need to look at okay well am i going to want to spend most of my time with a melee or with a tank or with a heal and then bank on that and what's going to be the best bang for your buck based on that for your professions mm -hmm. uh getting into those bonuses for the companions uh we're going to look at your nice little list here uh we're going to look at kaizen uh the first companion you get as a consular he has plus 15 to archaeology since archaeology was what I was doing on my consular without planning ahead, that was freaking great. That means he was gathering his stuff faster. That means when I sent him off on those missions, he was coming back sooner. That's a huge boost, especially as these missions get bigger and bigger and take longer and longer. Or if you look at, say, Zenith, who has plus one critical underworld trading. What that means is he has an extra chance of coming back with higher quality rewards. Which just it's just like a bonus. It's a it's a crit to your crafting is what it is. That I hadn't gotten to any characters who had that critical rating on them. So that is something really cool because it works everywhere if where they have the bonus. So if you have somebody who has critical to armor tech, uh, that means they have a chance of if you tell them to craft a green item, sometimes they'll just come back with a blue one instead. They got really lucky. Great. You, know, you know what this is going to do, though, because of this? This is going to make it so that this is going to become the dailies, the wow dailies, in, except in <laughs> tour, because you're going to want to get in every day on all of your characters just so that you can ship your guys out to go do their little thing. Even if you're not planning on playing, just send them out so that they can go do their professions. But it's it's done in such a way that it's still going to be fast enough that you're not wasting too much time, your own time kind of thing. You just send your guys off and then log off kind of thing. But it's definitely going to make me want to log in every single goddamn day. Where's my smartphone app for that? Yeah. Oh, oh, it'll dude. come. It'll happen. They <laughs> have one for Eve. Doesn't Eve have that? Yeah. Yes, they have one for Eve where you can queue your skills and your trade skills. It'll happen for Star Wars. You, I, I, bet, I bet a dollar on it at the very least. Mm -hmm. I want an iPad app for that shit. 
do it. <laughs> Even like a little screensaver, you can watch them off working. Oh, dude. I you can have, you, do that. that right there. Bioware. Yeah. Have that. So that while I'm playing the game and fighting with one companion, I can see the other <laughs> companion working on my tablet. That is made that. of win. That is awesome. <laughs> so, the other thing, before you keep going there, the other yeah. thing that's important to, to mention, because you kind of glanced over it earlier, is the chance to get gifts from your professions as well. Yes, yes. Now, I, were you planning on talking about this later? Uh, no, I okay. I'd actually, so let's uh, talk about it now then, because some people, if you haven't played a, another Bioware game, and if you are just say a, a WoW gamer kind of thing, this may seem a little odd to you, but gifts are a very important part of Bioware games because you need to know what your companion likes. You're gonna you're gonna be giving gifts to different companions to get them essentially to like you more, and this is gonna become important because the way that you choose to play the game and the choices that you make as you play may not always agree with your companion. As I saw, Kaizen wasn't a fan of mine. <laughs> He, he and I weren't friends, but this is where those gifts are going to come in handy and boost his appreciation of you up a little bit more so that you can still benefit from those things and open up different quest lines or, or whatever else. And, and that is very important. You're going to want those gifts. You're going to need those gifts. Yeah, and I think it was treasure hunting. I'm trying to remember uh, where you could come back. Sometimes you wouldn't come back with an actual gift. like Because when you send somebody off on a mission, you know what kind of reward you're going to get back. Not specifically, but it'll say, you know, uh, rare color crystal. Or it'll say companion gift. Well, sometimes they can fail their missions. You just lose the money and the time. Well, if they fail uh, in the treasure hunting with the uh, companion gifts, sometimes they can just come back with fragments. My consular had freaking fragments all over the place. But if you gather up enough of the fragments... You can actually turn those into a special vendor who will give you really, really nice companion gifts. Cool. See, that's the other thing that I'm worried about, too, is how much inventory space professions are going to take up. Because let's be quite honest, there's not a ton of inventory space in this game. So I never really saw a problem with it. But again, when I was doing most of my uh, crew skill stuff, that was before they shrunk the initial size of the inventory. So I didn't have any problem with it uh, just because, you know, I was managing it well. And this stuff stacks a lot. So you're not going to have to worry about, you know, five different stacks of 20. This stuff is going to be Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to be over encumbered here. <laughs> I, I just, and I was even, you're gonna, you're, dude, you're going to walk into my ship and there's going to be like crap all over the floor. <laughs> there's going to be stacks against the you're, wall. You're going to walk into Roger's ship and all you're going to see is books everywhere. Books that he's brought over from Skyrim because he's not done reading them yet. <laughs> it's going to be like the garbage shooting in Star Wars. <laughs> now, I was even carrying around a lot of extra gear because uh, my crafting skill was actually beyond what I could equip. So I was making stuff I couldn't use yet. I was carrying all that around. I was carrying all the materials around. Plus just all the quest nonsense. And keep in mind, you can send your companion back to town to sell all your yeah. gray stuff. Yeah. So you're not constantly hauling around this huge backpack full of crap. See, that's the other thing. Way too much gray crap in this game, Bioware. Way too much. Get rid of that <laughs> shit. Give us money instead. What's wrong? People can't carry money on different planets? <laughs> I'll take their pesos or whatever they carry. You've seen some of these planets. Yeah. I don't want to be carrying cash. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> It's worth 50 cents. <laughs> the, the most That's important the episode thing. title right there. 
the God. (laughs) (laughs) The most important thing to remember about all the crafting stuff is just how much synergy there is between the stuff. If you get, say, arms tech, but then you pick up bioanalysis and investigation, you're just going to have a lot of crap you can't use. So uh, I know they've been working on this throughout the beta. Uh, When I first started, how you learned was you went around and talked to every individual trainer, which is uh, eight, uh, a lot. (laughs) It's uh, 14 different trainers, and they're scattered in usually three different parts of the city. So you're running around to all these different bastards, clicking on all of them, and then having to go into your codex and read what everything does. And in the codex, it does tell you, you know, what goes well with this and just pay attention to what goes together. So you don't waste your time. You don't waste, more importantly, your money. These missions and stuff aren't cheap. So take your time, really focus on what you want to do. Plan ahead. Like we said, look at your companion characters. Look at what you want to do with your character. If you want to be a tank, if you want to be a DPS, if you want to be a healer, take your time and just pick stuff that goes together because, with very few exceptions, there's pretty much one set group that all goes together. Armor tech is always going to have scavenging and underworld trading that goes with it. Uh, you can do other stuff, by all means. Do what you want. But if you want to be productive and you know not constantly having to hit the uh, auction house for extra supplies, read that codex and really look at what you're doing. Well, in the show notes too, there's a link to a fantastic site that has a ton of information about crafting skills, but they have this great picture that they did as well, which I'm showing on the screen now, (laughs) that actually links them all and shows you what works well together. And I saw this and it was like the holy grail and it was like, oh, dude, that's what I needed to see to make sense of this crafting profession. (laughs) (laughs) And then the light came on. Yes, basically. Actually, um, that's out of date. (laughs) Shit. Okay. Because now the, the diplomacy goes with the biochem, not synth weaving. All right. Sorry. I'll scratch that out. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but I'm sure there will be an updated version of this. Like I said, they they put in a whole lot of changes just in the last beta build. So they're they're they did a lot of mixing it up. That's why I said I was looking at this. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then I'm reading. Um, I spent a lot of time on Torhead, and I'm just like, wait a minute, that doesn't match up. So I I I'd spent a lot of time researching all this because Bioware is still tinkering with these systems because it as complex as it is, they got to make sure they get it right out of the gate because. If they decide to change something around after launch, they're going to have a lot of pissed off people that have to respec. All right. Anything else on there or that pretty much wrap it up? Uh, I think that covers crafting unless it, you can right. think of something. No, no. I- that was fantastic. <laughs> that was fantastic. It is true. It's, it's a very complicated system. That's why I wanted to go through this. So, no. Thank so, you very much. As as a non-crafter, what do, you, what do you think? I can't wait to do it. Now, how much does that say about crafting in this game? Really, you've known me long enough to know what I think of crafting. I've, I I don't tend to craft because I hate it. And I, and I only do it in WoW because I feel the need to do it to a certain degree. But even then, like a lot of my characters... I, the, the crafting isn't maxed up because I give up. I just, I've had it. It's stupid and I hate it. And then like even Skyrim that the crafting's supposed to be great. I haven't done anything except for a few potions. And yet I look at this and it's like, dude, I can't wait to do this. 
especially I think the big draw for someone like you is that you're not sitting there staring at a freaking window for yep. an hour. Yep, that is it you, too. But Plus, you can also go, dance puppets, make yeah. stuff for me. <laughs> well, I like the fact that, and see, I'm not a big RPer at all, but, but I do like to get immersed in it, okay? And there's a difference there. And so me being immersed in the game, going on my ship, talking to my guys, my crew, and saying, okay, I'd like you to go work on this and you go to work on that. I, that's a phenomenal system and it does really do more to, again, immerse you in that world. So I like that they made it so that the your crew is the one that does it and, and that you can send them off to do different things. And it's a lot more multitasking than just you sitting down and, you know, hitting a freaking button 50 times to <laughs> enchant or disenchant something. So, no, I think it's it's a fantastic system. Joe, I assume you feel the same. I do, actually. Um, I like that it's a little more involved. I like the fact that if I don't personally feel like making something, I can just go, you know what, Mako, I'm tired of hearing your voice. Go get me something. Of course so. Corso, you <laughs> bastard, that, that 24 hour mission in the Corso? black freaking hole, you're going there. <laughs> Goodbye, Corso. I don't want to hear your voice for 24 hours. Goodbye. But no, I like, I like, and I like the fact that it has that much depth to it. I like the fact that it's so um, integrated. And, uh, and for me, I'm constantly comparing this game to Star Wars Galaxies, and I'm going to be doing that. There's no. I can't help it. And in in back then there was like certain things that you could craft. Like you could craft Mandalorian armor, but it required a complete dungeon run, getting to the bottom of a super high tech security system uh dungeon, fighting that was a public instance that other people could try to fight you for at the mere chance of getting it. And looking at that crafting system, be like, wow, that sucked balls. Oh my god, that sucked. And then looking at this and be like, wow, this is actually kind of entertaining. I can I can engage with my minions. I can, you know, I can be totally Billy Ballot badass flying through the air with my flamethrowers while my other guys are gathering stuff for me to make other things with. And it, it's just it's the way that like all the circles just kind of flow into each other makes me really happy. And that's kind of what it, it's like. It's all interconnected. And I like that. Okay, going back to Corso, it's as if Bioware <laughs> heard us, and there was a great and, disturbance. In the yeah, force. yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, we'll shut them like up. Like a for million you. companions yeah, yelling loudly all at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, because the patch notes came out for the uh, the last what they're calling the release version of the game. Which, by the way, if you've got the um, the test version on your system, you gotta uninstall that shit if you haven't checked your email. That you was know. a lovely email. Yeah, wasn't it though? Yeah. I can't wait to download those forty gigs again. I tell you what hopefully i'll get in in time for the pre-launch for christ's sakes um but in the patch notes there were a few interesting things the for me the biggest thing they're shutting up corso well not just him but they're the the vocalization there there'll be less vocals for the your characters although it says during combat i'd like it if they all just shut up most of the time Let's see i don't know like make, make up t3 talk very he can much. keep talking yeah, T3's awesome, though. When He's got he, your back. He's got Jedi's back. <laughs> that was awesome. I'll explain that to folks later. <laughs> but if you've got a companion that does not speak English, then make sure that you have your chat window open. And if you hate having chat window open because of the general crap, well, you Filter. can... 
there's a, no, there's a tab, another tab that just is for companions and NPCs. So just keep that one open because T3 talks all the time. He's got shit to say all the time and it's entertaining. Okay. <laughs> well, here, here it is. When I was with my son and he was on his night, so obviously he had T3 and I was on my, my consular and at the point where he has to defeat Bengal Moore and then go and get his lightsaber, um, there's one spot where T3 is spots him, and what he says is, got Jedi's back. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. So I took a screenshot of that. <laughs> T3 is awesome. But anyway, so that's kind of cool. And they also talked about if you are moving to a new planet instance, it no longer uses your quick travel cooldown. At, oh, thank God. Because that would have broken a lot of the game for people who like to group. That was... That was a flaw, without a doubt. And then they did talk more about the legacy system, which, uh, freak, Vince and I, I don't know about you, Joe, but Vince and I cannot wait for this shit. The more that we're hearing little rumors about it, it's fantastic. But even this, where they're talking about unique legacy powers, oh, dude, and character creation options. Oh, if that means other races. I'm not just talking about another freaking haircut, you know, or a, an extra long beard. I want a freaking other, I want to play as all of these other races that you see, these weird fish dudes. I want to play as him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to walk around saying it's a trap <laughs> all day. <laughs> It'll be fun for me. That should be, that should be a dialogue option in every single <laughs> conversation. <laughs> what do you think, Mister Jedi? It's a trap, and then run away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we did get another video too. They're they're having a blast with these videos of this class versus that class, and the newest one, of course, is the Imperial Agent versus the Jedi Consular. I played both of those, so this was fun to see. What was especially fun to see was the one scene where the Imperial agent is taking aim at and shooting the consular while he has got the holograms up of all the past Jedi masters. What's cool is that I did you do that quest as a consular. So here's from the flip side where there's an Imperial agent hunting the consular who's doing that quest. I thought that was freaking awesome. I mean, that's not what the video is about, but I just, that's what I gleaned from it. It was freaking <laughs> cool as shit. And it, it, again, I'm going to be playing the, the Imperial Agent's going to be my first character because my son's playing as a, a bounty hunter. So we're going to start together on those and then we'll, we'll work on our, our alts afterwards. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I can't wait to be starting the Imperial Agent again. And it was cool seeing this too, because they are very different classes. I mean, if you are an Imperial Agent and you go sniper route, you've got the longest range in the game. And they are dangerous son of a bitches. Meanwhile, the freaking Consular has got CCs out the ass. He can keep you up in the air. He can send stones to, and, and, and droid parts. I love when he sends droids. <laughs> He'll pull an entire droid out of the ground and send it flying to someone to stun on them. And there's all kinds of different stuns that they can use. So in terms of PvP, this is actually a matchup, unlike some of the other ones that I was looking at and saying, I honestly don't know who would win between the two of those. For me, this one's just going to come down to who can control the battlefield. Like, if you get a sniper who is entrenched in his position, forget about it. But if you can manage to catch them out in the open with some of that crowd control stuff, then th that fight swings drastically. And just looking at it from a PvP perspective, I absolutely love that. Joe, anything to add? I'm just giddy when I see <laughs> PvP combat like this. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it's just even like considering watching... the PvP stuff that you did. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, can, even can you imagine if that trooper was freaking agent? That, oh, <laughs> you'd have been done. Game over. I was already done anyway. <laughs> But no, like it's it's interesting to see the two go toe to toe, and uh, you know to see the agent like pull off a couple tricks to get away, and uh, to get the extra armor up, to get the barrier up, to get the flash up, and to see how the the counselor responds to it, throwing rocks, getting the his own little force flash in there. I don't know. It's just it's it's interesting to see how a force class and a non force class, a very specifically non force class. Um, can duke it out because that was one of the concerns that a lot of people had was, oh, force classes are going to be so OP, everybody's going to play yeah. a friggin' Jedi, blah, 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 blah. But then you see that the Imperial agent is going not only toe-to-toe, but giving the counselor a damn good run for his money. And, and that makes me happy because that speaks to really, really good class balance, interesting mechanics, and gameplay where, yes, uh, this makes me particularly happy because my bounty hunter is going to be hunting Jedi, but it's a, that I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, he's got a lightsaber. Well, I'm fucked. You know, so I'm, that makes me very happy, and that's what I got out of the video. The Having played the Imperial Agent, like I said, the Imperial Agent is very, very dangerous, and I loved it. It was awesome. The gameplay style for the Imperial Agent it was fantastic. I loved it. There was a lot of... of uh, options in terms of how to approach different things kind of thing and i just again i just had a blast with them it was a very very fun character to play and then in terms of the actual storyline and all that probably damn near tops between him and the the inquisitor i mean his storyline was just absolutely fantastic and his companions dude he's got awesome freaking companions look at who he gets he gets uh where is he he gets uh calio who is freaking, she's awesome, very mysterious. He gets Scorpio, the female droid. Oh, oh, she's awesome. And then this Dr. Loken, who transforms. Sold, there you go, I'm happy. Okay, my guy's going to be a male, though, so I guess my female love interest is either going to be the robot or the the ranged healer. Maybe the robot, what the hell, we'll see if it can happen. (laughs) Okay, we're going to step away from Star Wars, but before we do that, I do have an announcement. I actually started a new project, which if you don't follow my Twitter feed or Google, you would not know about. So here it is. I'm actually starting. There's a new site out, and it is called thedroidcast.com. And that's a new site and an upcoming podcast that is going to be devoted to Star Wars The Old Republic. Now, as opposed to everything else that I do with these boys, this is actually going to be done with my boy. I'm actually doing this podcast with my son. Now, old school fans of mine will remember when I was doing Wow Dogs way back in the day. And if you were really a fan, you will remember the few episodes that I actually did with my son. And those were, I really enjoyed that. And we used to play Wow together. And we've done all kinds of gaming together throughout uh, his many years. And so. When I started thinking about wanting to do something for the Old Republic, I wanted to do it with him because, again, he and I are going to be playing this game. So the podcast is actually going to be he and I with guest co-hosts as well and, and guests doing features for the uh, the uh, various episodes. The first one's going to be actually from Joe, and I'm hoping to get Vince on to do some as well. And I'm going to be bringing other people as well. The site is live right now. I've already got some articles on there that you can read. Again, it's thedroidcast.com. So that's coming up very soon. I'm hoping to get the first episode out by this weekend so people will be able to listen awesome can't wait little pimp in there so we're actually going to finish the show just with a little bit of mass effect 3 news vince you actually i saw this as well but i saw that Mm -hmm. you sent it to me 
Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest points, or not points, uh, parts of the first Mass Effect game was all the time you spent on the Citadel. All the different places you visited, all the different NPCs you interacted with, a great amount of the backstory and just your interactions in that game took place on the Citadel. And I know personally that was something that was really missing from the second game for me as phenomenal as the game was game of the year, et cetera, et cetera. It, it was missing that tie. We had all the plot threads and stuff, but it, it didn't have that emotional tie into the first game that I think a Citadel segment would have given it. Sure. We had that tiny little scene where you're talking to, um, the council or whatever, I forget. But that was it. Like I would have liked to have seen how these characters that I had spent time with and helped out and all that, I would like to have seen how they weathered the attack from Sovereign, whether they survived, if they were rebuilding, if they were leaving. Looks like we're finally going to be getting that in Mass Effect 3. Uh, they said that they had a Citadel segment planned for Mass Effect 2 and just had to cut it uh, time, budget, I don't know. But they said it's being put into Mass Effect 3, and personally, just for the, the, the feel and the emotion of the game, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to Mass Effect 3, dude. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, sure. Done. Yeah, okay. I don't care what they put into it. I just can't wait for the goddamn game. No, give it, it's, give it, give it, give it, give it. It's it's it is cool, and I I thought the same thing as as you as well. I was surprised when I played it that there was so little on the Citadel. Actually, I expected a lot more there. I I wasn't disappointed. I shouldn't say because I mean there was so much else going on that it made sense that he or she had to be you know somewhere else and not spend too much time there. But so it was. I think it was a smart cut, but it's nice to know that it didn't go anywhere. They're just going to slap it in three and, and make use of it there. So, and again, I am sorry, but I dude, I cannot, I pretty much everything else will be on hold when Mass Effect three comes out, including the old Republic. I need to finish the story. What? That's, That's what it is. I oh yeah. I yeah. the story. Like, it, I felt <laughs> that, that way about really Assassin's creepy. Creed, Revo like Assassin's Creed revelations. I had to play. Like I had to keep going because I needed to finish the story and like Mass Effect 3 is going to be the same way. I'm going to have that weird twitch when I'm carrying the game home from the store and it's like, leave me alone, people, because I'm just going to go home and play until I get the final ending. And I'm like, OK, I'm good now. Yeah. And then yeah. Like, you know, you <laughs> know, what I like, yeah, but they're not done with the IP after <laughs> no, that. Either. The IP, but I need to know what happens like with the final episode of Shepard. You know what I mean? Like, I need to know what happens. It's such a strong IP, too. And and I'm glad that they've already said that they're not giving up on it after Shepard's Tale is done. I think they'd be fools, too. I, I don't think they can. I don't think EA would let them. <laughs> you think you're done with this? Hell no. Jar Jar Binks, into that. <laughs> into Massive <laughs> Zone. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, oh, they're they that'll kill them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they're they definitely have to continue doing something with that IP. But yeah, it is one of those where it's. I, I cannot wait to play it to continue on. And the fact that we can keep importing our characters in that are so now entrenched in, like, I, I feel that the character that I had in Mass Effect 2, my second one that I played, I am so, and it's it's female too, she's just badass. She, I love her. Tough freaking chick. And I just have so much invested in that character. And I can't wait to take her and import her into three to see what kind of hell she can raise. Okay, with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. <laughs> oh, sorry, Vince, did you have any last parting words? 
No, I'm good. Okay, you've already said enough tonight. Yeah, I, I figured. Well, yeah, unless you feel like sneezing yet again. No, you're good. Okay, good. We're going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thanks for everybody for joining us live. Podcast course will be out tomorrow, and we will be back again on Monday next week. Any questions or whatever, send them to forthelore at gmail.com or on Twitter at forthelore. Don't forget about thedroidcast.com. That'll be coming out soon as well. Thanks and take care. World of Warcraft Patch 4.3 was recently released, bringing with it new raid content as well as new features. Transmogrification was a big hit, allowing you to convert just about any piece of gear into almost any other piece of gear in the game. It has done wonders for making each character unique, and the vibrancy that you can see in the main cities is absolutely amazing. No two characters are exactly the same as it should be. Each character gets their own individual identity through basically what they wear, and I think it's really, really awesome. Among it also came Void Storage, allowing people to take items that they no longer need but want to keep for sentimental reasons or for whatever else the case may be, and put them away in a separate form of storage, not in their main banks. This frees up precious bag space, bank space, and, well, you can't complain about that. Each item does cost a small fee. It's 25 gold to deposit. Uh, the fee to remove is there is none at all, so you can remove your stuff as much as you want. But just that small fee is more than reasonable for the amount of space you can free up inside of your inventory. With patch 4.3 also came a new set of dungeons. The End Time, the Well of Eternity, and, the dra and the, basically the lead up to the Dragon Soul. Players get to take part in the epic story, going back in time to fighting Norsdamu's corrupted aspect, Mazdamu. They can go back to the Well of Eternity, fight against Ashzara, and take part in a very epic event that shaped the history of the world. In fact, an event that sundered the world. Players then travel to the present day where they escort Thrall with the charged up Dragon Soul item and try to ferry him safely to Wormrest Temple, where the final stand against Deathwing will be made. The dungeons are engaging, interesting, the loot from them is fantastic and on par with items received from the Firelands raid, offering unique challenges, awesome story integration, and giving players fantastic rewards for completing the tasks. The raid itself is something that I'm actually a little disappointed in. For what is going to be the final content of the patch, people have already cleared it on day one. The bosses aren't terribly difficult. The healing is actually pretty f pretty easy and straightforward. Some of the mechanics are quite fun, like riding on the back of Deathwing. In healing fights like Altraxian give you individual buffs where you can transform yourself into a version of the aspects. Blue for Magic and Caligos, red for uh, Alexstrasza and healing and green for the emerald dream and of course the lovely Ysera. the story integration in the raid is fantastic itself every event gives you new pieces of information the fact that agents of the old gods themselves are making their way through the earth uh, and bursting through the ground to make siege on Wormrest temple in which you must fight inside of them is very epic the battle on the spine of deathwing is absolutely amazing and when you finally get to beat 
Deathwing down, well, that entire event is rather epic. It just wish the difficulty level would have been a little bit higher. That said, one aspect of the raiding I do like now is the looking for raid. The raid finder is fantastic, offering people the opportunity to compete in the raids without actually having to have a raid group of their own. They can queue up for their individual roles, and as they're queuing up for their individual roles, can go ahead and sally forth into the actual raid zone itself for a chance at earning the loot. While the loot is a slightly lower eye level than the normal mode, it is rather fantastic. Players get an opportunity not only to see the encounters and participate in them, but to learn from them. So instead of actually getting their tier pieces from Valor Points like in previous tiers, you can only get them from inside of the raid group. That itself is fantastic because it does force players to actually, in my opinion, earn the loot as opposed to just stocking valor points from running heroics and gives them a reward by learning the mechanics in the boss fights also at the same time by giving them opportunity to obtain raid level items that can then propel them further into raid content if they get a taste for raiding and seeing they like it it gives players an opportunity for them to go ahead and run into uh, a raiding guild or apply to a raiding guild and actually do it it's also great for recruiting Real ID friends can be grouped up and can raid together through the Looking for Raid Finder, which is a fantastic little item. You can then run people through trial bases without people having to spend a whole ton of money uh, to transfer over to find out they don't like it. Overall, it's a great patch. There is something for everybody. Whether you're waiting for the new season of PvP to start, whether you're waiting for the next raid tier to begin, all of it is just fantastic. Overall, it was a very good patch. I just hope that the content will last long enough to tide us over until the 5.0 patch leading into the next expansion, Mist of Pandaria. And I don't have a freaking Walking Dead to watch. That, that's that's been my Monday. You didn't answer. want another hour of them wandering around in the forest yelling, Sophia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, that last episode. That, I haven't watched it. Shush, 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 shush. You haven't? Oh, dude. There's a there's a a, a time frame on spoilers. There's a statute of limitations. You're pushing it at Wednesday. a week. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> came out. It came out on Sunday, basically Tuesday, actually. <laughs> How's it going, Hoogs? insert snoring sound here <laughs> then i worked on the the site that guess what i did this weekend <laughs> <laughs> i saw you you know the, the little exchange the other day domain name acquired i was like what the hell has he gotten himself into this time <laughs> you better do something because she's just gonna give you the same crappy t-shirts and generic cologne she gets you every year i'm like whatever i don't care particularly <laughs> i was like you know, fine, I'm going to put that freaking $250 Star Wars keyboard on there. And she just kind of looks at me. And I was like, you are not buying me that goddamn keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I only spent $40 on her Christmas present. That's she doesn't need to know that it was on Amazon at like 80% <laughs> off. <laughs> like, oh, see how expensive that was? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joe made it early. Hurry up, Joe. <laughs> the music's still going. You can do it. 
<laughs> he was gonna say hello right in the middle of your intro. Hello. Just in time, we got music on. <laughs> it's raining. People forget how to drive in the damn rain. <sighs> I figured you left early. I got the podcast to go to. Screw you all. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. What the hell? I know. I, I, I couldn't get to the mute button fast enough. <laughs> Do you need a minute to go get a tissue to wipe your mic down? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs>